This is Equipping Eve, the podcast that seeks to equip women with fruits of truth from God's Word. In his second letter to the Corinthians, the Apostle Paul wrote, But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. A sincere and pure devotion to Christ begins by being grounded in his word. So let's open our Bibles, ladies, and prepare to feast on the truth God has given us. Well, hello, ladies, and welcome to Equipping Eve. I'm your host, Erin Benziger. It's a new year, and with a new year, I've decided to try a new format for the podcast. So I'm not going to describe it. I'm just going to jump into it. And feel free to email me, equippingeve at gmail.com, with your comments, with your thoughts. Let's see what happens. You know, sometimes circumstances happen in life that are simply poetic. You're going through life, you're just taking it one day at a time, and suddenly in the midst of confusion or life-altering moments, everything just kind of providentially falls into place. And you rejoice, right? You rejoice in God's goodness, you give him the glory. Hopefully, hopefully we do, because we should. And then there are those times when everything is a mess. It's a disaster, there's confusion, there's chaos. It seems like every single decision is a life-altering one. I think I've been living in that world for the last several years, but anyway, instead of everything kind of just perfectly, sweetly working itself out, things actually look like they're getting tied in bigger knots and you feel more disoriented than ever and you just wanna throw up your hands and scream, why? And at the same time, as Christians, we know that we can rest in God's sovereignty sovereignty, and hopefully we do that. Hopefully we still give him glory. Hopefully we still ask him to show us his hand in our circumstances and know that his timing will be perfect in working things out. But those are kind of the extremes, right? There's like everything's going wonderful. Everything's falling into place. I live in a, you know, magical Hallmark world with puppy dogs and unicorns, although that would be an annoying world for some of us, but others would love it. You know, or you're on the other end of the spectrum where everything is on fire and your whole life is just one big dumpster fire. But then there's those in-between times, which is most of our life, right? Things are kind of status quo. Really nothing exciting is happening. You're kind of happy with that. You're a wee bit thankful from this break in life's nonsense. But then just to remind you that there is still sin in the world, a bird goes potty on you. Yep, you heard me. I wasn't speaking metaphorically. It's not meant to be a euphemism. This actually happened to me once. It was a couple of years ago now. But I remember it vividly. It's etched in my brain. It was a beautiful evening, summer evening, uh, a little humid, but that's to be expected where I live. And I was out for a walk after work, just enjoying the fresh air. And I felt something on my leg. So I reached down to brush it aside because there's a million mosquitoes everywhere and I'm the first place they come for dinner. So I was thinking, okay, get rid of this mosquito, kill it before it eats me alive. But instead of that happening, I lifted up my hand and found that a bird had gone potty on my leg. It was, suffice it to say, a less than poetic moment. And in fact, disgusting is not a strong enough word to describe it. I scrubbed my hand with antibacterial soap and my leg, of course, Clorox wipes, alcohol. I felt like I would never get this bird stuff off of me. 
and, uh, you know, basically tried everything short of dumping acid on my flesh and burning it off. And I share this because the reality is we all have moments like this. And maybe it's not a bird going potty on you, (laughs) but maybe it's something similar. You know, things are just kind of, they are what they are, or it's a dumpster fire. And then something which is quite minor in the grand scheme of things, but is kind of, you know, the straw that breaks the camel's back happens and you just don't know what to do. But the thing is that even in our most disgusting, bird-dropping covered moments, God should still be praised. And in this instance, I had to praise him for his obvious sense of humor after I scrubbed my hand and leg, of course. You know, sometimes icky stuff just happens and we need to be prepared for those times. And sometimes they are, like we just said, kind of innocuous in the grand scheme of things. And sometimes they are those huge, chaotic disasters that we just feel like we're never going to be able to overcome. So how can we be prepared for these? Because there are periods of our life when these things aren't happening. Well, we prepare by regularly fellowshipping with God through prayer and through reading his word. It doesn't mean that we're going to react perfectly when a bird goes potty on us or worse happens. But the more equipped we are, the more we will, hopefully, as a natural reaction, remember the promises of God. You know, I look at the older saints around me and they just have such a peace about them and their lives are not perfect. They're going through health issues. They have family concerns, all of this. And yet you wouldn't know it because their natural reaction is to remember the promises of God and to praise him even in the midst of the junk and to turn to him first for peace and for wisdom rather than, you know, texting their friend or complaining about it to everybody who will listen. And the more we discover the reality of God's sovereignty and his word, the more we're going to recognize it in our own lives. And I've just been seeing this lived out in my own life. And that doesn't necessarily mean that our trials are going to be easier. It doesn't mean that the bird won't go potty on you. But it does keep our focus where it belongs. And where is that, ladies? You all know the answer to this. Of course, it's on Jesus Christ. Colossians 1 verse 15 He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him, all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. If we remember these truths, ladies, we remember who Jesus is. I mean, I I love this passage. and I know we've talked about this passage in the past. This is Jesus. This is our elder brother. This is our Savior. This is our Lord. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. By him, all things were created, even the bird that goes potty on your leg. All things were created by him and through him. He holds all things together. He is the head of the church, not your pastor, 
no matter how authoritarian he might like himself to be. No, Jesus is the head of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. In him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Think about it, ladies. This just uh, reminded me to turn to some other familiar passages in Revelation. Turn to the book of Revelation. Not Revelations, one Revelation. Now, think about this. These verses are describing Jesus. Revelation chapter 2. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. Verse 8. To the angel of the church in Smyrna write, The words of the first and the last, who died and came to life. This is Jesus. Verse 12, to the angel of the church in Pergamum, write the words of him who has the sharp two-edged sword. Verse 18, to the angel of the church in Thyatira, write the words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. Chapter 3, verse 1, to the angel of the church in Sardis, write the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Verse 7, to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write the words of the Holy One, the true one who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. Verse 14, to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. Did you see some parallels there, some repetition between what Paul is writing in Colossians and what John is writing in Revelation? This is Jesus Christ. He is the lamb who was slain. We see him later in Revelation. He is the lion. This is the Jesus of the Gospels who condescended to come to earth take on human flesh, live as a man, truly God, truly man, here on earth, in our lousy sinful world that we made lousy and sinful. This is the one who did that for us because he loved his father and because he loved us. And he had no reason to love us. He loved us because he loved us. God the father loved us because he loved us. I mean, this, when you stop and think on these things, and it sounds trite, I know, especially in the midst of just really heavy things, things that are far heavier than the little anecdote I shared a minute ago. I know, I get it. But if we stop and pause, even if it's at the beginning of our day or at the end of our day, and turn our focus back on this one, this Jesus, it has to make these other things just a bit easier to deal with. It doesn't make them go away. It doesn't make them magically fall into place. It doesn't make things easier. But it helps us in our dealing with them because we've got our focus on Jesus. I just said we've got, and I hate when people do that. We have our focus on Jesus. Just when you least expect it, another shoe is going to drop because... We're sinners. This world is sinful. Everybody around us is sinful. But that's why we should always have our eyes fixed on Christ so that those unexpected things don't hit us quite so hard in the back of the head or the front of the head or anywhere.
Okay, that's the thought for the day, ladies. And uh, as an endorsement, an equipping Eve endorsement, I would recommend to you, ladies, if you like historical fiction, please, please, please read The Chronicles of Maud by Amy Montravati if you have not done so already. So there are currently two books that have already been published. Uh, there is a third volume coming. I believe that will be the final volume. So the first book is called The Girl Empress, and the second book is called The Forsaken Monarch. So um, and the second one is quite long, but it's wonderful. I just finished it, oh, I don't know, a week or so ago, and um, it was amazing. It was my Christmas present to myself, and it was uh, definitely worth it. So um, I believe these are uh, Amy Montravati's first books, and I hope she keeps writing because she's a marvelous writer. They're very easy to read. They're page turners. I cannot recommend them highly enough. So again, it's historical fiction, Amy Montravati, Chronicles of Maud. And if you go to equippingeve.com, I will have a link there for you uh, so that you can find these books over on Amazon. All right, ladies, just as a parting thought, remember Jesus willingly condescended to earth and died to redeem us. He has made peace by the blood of his cross. And I challenge you, I challenge me, I challenge us to keep that at the forefront of our minds. It's a new year and that means things are about to get crazy. We just came off of the holidays a few months ago or a few weeks ago and things are not going to ease up in reality, are they? You know they aren't. I know they aren't. So I challenge us to keep Christ at the forefront of our minds and to start to notice how, if, and how it affects us. How is it affecting our approach to different scenarios, good and bad things that happen to us? How is it affecting our grumbling? I'm putting that challenge out there for myself. You know, how is it affecting how we interact with our coworkers, with our family, with our friends? What are the effects that that's having by trying to consciously reflect on Christ and put our focus back on him? And it's something that we need to pray about to do because we're not going to do it on our own. But I'm pretty sure that's a prayer that God would answer if we would ask him faithfully to just keep our focus on him in the midst of it all. And not just lip service, but actually keep our focus on him to help give us that peace that only he can give. That we as Christians are promised. That is ours in Christ. And it's just everything that we do that keeps it, keeps us from enjoying it. All right, ladies, that's all for today. So until next time, get in your Bibles, get on your knees, and get equipped. Thanks for listening.